Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, eternitynow.com. E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. Go to our website and click Support Us to see how you can help bring the good news of eternal life to one million people this year. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. A lot of folks these days are nervous, as our nation and world seem to be en route to self-destruction. Even some believers are shuddering a bit. But friend, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of sound mind, as our brother Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.7. And we are, now as forever, to bring that gospel to every single person, no matter the color, the culture, the tribe, or the tongue. Today's message is when the Holy Spirit comes upon us from the first two chapters of Acts. Father God, I thank you so much for the chance to bring forth your word today by your Holy Spirit. Oh, Father God, draw people to watch online and draw those here in person to be able to receive what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Oh, Lord God, I pray you use me as your instrument today. Anoint me, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. Now, to set the scene for us, after Jesus Christ rose from the tomb, he appeared in several places, at least, we know from Scripture, in the next 40 days. 40 days, that's probably familiar. 40 days and 40 nights did it rain upon the earth in the great flood. During the 40 days with Christ, our Lord came to those frightened disciples, tucked away, just appeared in the middle of the room. He also made breakfast for them as he fished. He restored Peter from having denied him. He took a walk to Emmaus with some of the disciples and appeared to over 500 people at one time. It's a little bit like appearing in a Colosseum today. <laughs> well, Jesus then went to Mount Olivet, and his apostles said, are you going to get rid of those Romans and have the kingdom of Israel politically be restored? <laughs> they were always thinking about earth first. But Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. He told them in Acts 1.8, one of my favorite verses, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Praise God. Then he finally ascended up to heaven, and his disciples, they stared up there, so he might be appearing back from that cloud any moment. But then a couple of angels came along, all in white, said, men, why are you staring up there? He is going to come back in like manner as to when he left, that great day, nobody knows <laughs> except the Father himself. Those are times and seasons that have been appointed by the Father. So the apostles went back to Jerusalem. But when they got there, they didn't put up a nice church building, have a great lunch for everybody, potluck, healing revival, or even confront the Jewish leaders. For once in church history, they did what they were told. Praise God, and we've been blessed ever since. They went to an upper room, and they waited for this promise of the Father, whatever it might be. Jesus didn't give them a lot of details, but he knew the end from the beginning. This went on for 10 days until the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is 50 days, Penta, 50. 
and we subtract the 40, the Bible says that Jesus was appearing on the earth after his resurrection, and 50 minus 40 is 10. We're going to keep the statistics easy for you today. 120, we're in that upper room. Now, friends, even if that's a big one, that's going to be pretty crowded. <laughs> they bumped into each other. They fell asleep. They shared meals together. Or they got to know each other pretty darn well if they didn't before. Praise God. They also prayed, and they did some church business. They had to replace Judas, who had hung himself and betrayed the Lord. They put Matthias in by lots. And then they were ready, even if maybe they didn't know it. On that Pentecost morning, nearly 2,000 years ago, this is what the second chapter of Acts said happened. First verse, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all of one accord and in one place. They were unified. They were in one mind about God. They were submitted to him. They were trusting him. They were joined to one another. They were in unity and putting the Lord's business first. They were also in one location, one address, one room. Friend, it's hard to be close to people when you never see them in person, when you can't interact with them in person. This is the idea of the church is that we share burdens. We also share joys. And then we witness to the world, friends. If you can't get in person to a church of good belief and structure like ours, then Pray over the phone with people. Give us a call, 806-463-8793, USA. Drop me a line, K-H-U-C-K-I-N-S at eternitynow.com. Uh, head to our website and drop us a line to our staff at info at eternitynow.com. And we would be more than happy to help. For the power of God is magnified where there are two or more who are gathered in his name. That's according to Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. Acts 2, verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The 120 in the upper room knew that something was coming, the promise of the Father. Now, here it arrives. They weren't aware of just what or precisely when it was going to come. Jesus said nothing about Pentecost. They knew it was coming as a feast to the Jews, but they had no idea it would coincide with the promise of the Father. They just trusted that what Jesus said was going to be fulfilled. We need to keep praying and laboring for the Master, for when that harvest comes in, we know not the day. <laughs> just like we do not know the day we're going to be taken up to heaven in the rapture. Or God is going to elevate us by death. Yes, it's a great promotion. For to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Praise God. And we know if we witness, some will accept our word. I've kept witnessing, mainly in small churches, in person over these last couple of years. And do you know I've had about two dozen people pray to receive the Lord with me in person there. And then further on that online. Isn't that wonderful that even in the little towns, even way off of the big highways, people are getting saved out there today. Friends, we just got to put forth that word. We've got to live the gospel as well as speak it. And we have got to be bold in this last day with the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2 verses 3 and 4. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
So as the sound of a gale goes forth, a tongue of fire appears on each person. Those 120. Jesus had likened the Holy Ghost to the wind. Way back there in John 3, 8, just before he gave us that verse 16. Ah, yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, they go right hand in hand. When you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit and you are able to be a witness for Christ. Also, Moses heard the Lord from a burning bush in Exodus 3, 2. So the Spirit is fire. The Spirit is wind. And when those two go together, we have the flame of God all around this world. It's been burning brightly for 2,000 years. Yes, times are getting tough, but people are still going to be saved until the day that we go up in that ark of the New Testament, which is the rapture of Jesus Christ. Oh, we're excited about it, my friend. And this here, in verses 3 and 4 in Acts 2, is an extraordinary moment, no longer. Well, the Holy Ghost just alight on certain people at certain times, as he had in the Old Testament. Now he was going to indwell the believer. These people are born of the Spirit, and that is why they are able to speak the Spirit forth. He's within us and becomes one with us as we trust him more and more. The Spirit also will purify us from the inside out. My black church friends, uh, they have a saying, there's something on the inside that's showing up on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Praise God. And interesting here that the Lord uses speech. Do you remember what James 3.8 says? No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. <laughs> no man can do it, but God, <laughs> he can do it, and he shall as we yield to him. Acts 2, verses 5 and 6. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. <laughs> Why were there Hebrews? From all over here, did they get some kind of advance warning? No, 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 no. This was one of the major feasts in the Jewish religion. It is after Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16, observed to thank God for the summer grain harvest. It says, you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. That feast brought hundreds of thousands of Jews to the city of Jerusalem where the main temple was. In those days, having a city of 50,000, 60,000 was quite large. Maybe to have one of 100,000, that was a megalopolis. But scholars think as many as a quarter million visitors were in that holy and eternal city of Jerusalem that day when the day of Pentecost did fully come. And God not only enabled the Christians to speak by the Spirit, he made it possible for the Jews to hear by the Spirit as well. All things are possible to him who believes, praise God. And the word for language here in verse 6 is dialectos, where we get our word dialect from, like a known language. But God gave those in the upper room, the original Koine Greek says, glessa or a tongue that is not learned naturally. 
verses 7 to 11 of Acts 2. Then they were all amazed and marveled and said to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Have you been speaking the wonderful works of God about your life to people? Oh, friend, when you do that, when you have speech that is seasoned with salt and brought forth by the Holy Spirit, you will get excited, others will get excited, everyone gets convicted, and as we yield to God, we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful, friend? And I tell you, you want to feel like you've gotten born again again? Lead someone to Jesus Christ. Whew. It's like a shot that you can't imagine. Praise God. More than just a shot in the arm, it's a shot in the Spirit. Now, these people, if we look at the map, are from all directions surrounding Jerusalem. Those from Rome, the capital of the empire, that's to the northwest. The ones who are from Pontus, they're over from by Ukraine on the Black Sea. That's the northeast. Arabia is in the southeast. And Libya is in the southwest, all around the compass points. That way, those miraculously hearing will be able to spread the news not just in town, they're on vacation, that, that godly time of travel. But they are going to be able to go to all the known world, and we know eventually the unknown world, and tell about how to be saved. They'll be bringing in a harvest, not of grain as the original Pentecost, but of souls far more valuable. And what did this message reveal? The wonderful works of God. Here is the Greek megalios, the glorious perfections of God. And his marvelous doings. <laughs> what has he done for you in your life? Has he ended your fear and given you assurance? Has he taken away your filthy mouth and given you a clean one? Has he taken away the spirit of timidity and given you a spirit of boldness about the things of God? Testify. Think about what God's done for you and tell people about it. Those folks who know you will be amazed, in many cases, I bet, and they will give an audience to the Word of God all the more and about salvation. Because, friend, you don't want to leave anybody behind, family, friends, neighbors, boss, uh, co-workers, anybody. We want everybody going to heaven who can. Praise God. Now, this message by the disciples was immediately received as miraculous by the hearers because Galileans had something of a draw. Now, I've lived for many years in Texas. I've lived in Virginia. I've been sea to shining sea and from border to border, north and south. I've also had the privilege to testify and to minister in those places as well. And I'll tell you, the folks out south, they like to talk like this. Oh, friends, I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to have the Word of God. And I think it's fantastic. But it's also distinctive, isn't it? And so these folks knew the, the disciples had not studied their way to be able to understand these dialects in Africa and Europe and Asia. No, the Holy Spirit had given it to them as a sign, as a wonder, as a gift that just keeps on giving as the Holy Spirit. The Mesopotamians and others knew 
that they had to have divine help. And this is why God calls you to works that are greater than yourself. It's greater than myself to be an evangelist. I was not a person who liked public speaking years ago. I was fine on the radio. I won awards and all the rest had good audiences, but I didn't have to be in person. <laughs> Shuffling the notes, trying to get things down, eye contact and all of that. I just had to be able to know where the microphone was. But here I am on YouTube and every other place trying to get folks to know the gospel and to receive it. Praise God and all glory is to the Lord. God was reversing the curse here from the Tower of Babel. Do you recall that man was united after the flood in his evil, and he was conspiring against the Almighty. And so God confused the language of the people, for they had been one before. And what happened is he fulfilled his own word to them in Genesis 1 about subduing all the earth. They had to because folks who don't understand each other can't live together too long and do much, can they? Pretty tough. And so we got people from all the way up at the tip of Alaska there on Point Barrow, northernmost city in the world, all the way down to Tierra del Fuego, the very bottom tip of South America. <laughs> uh, isn't it wonderful what God can do in a moment in time? But now that he's giving the Holy Spirit that he can be back in relationship through his son with man and woman whom he created, he is going to be able to unite people's understanding, get away the barriers of language and such, and say, you are all one in Jesus Christ. There's neither slave nor free, male nor female. There's neither uh, Jew nor Greek. There's all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God over all. Praise the Lord. The message of the glory and the power of the Lord set up perfectly a sermon by Peter, who had the boldness now, who had the power of God from having had the fearfulness before. And he told the throng there in Acts 2 and 36, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Yes, this is the long-awaited Messiah. This is the one who will rule the nations with a rod of iron. This is the one who will give you perfect peace, if only you will let him rescue you. The many thousands responded, Men and brethren, what shall we do? How can we be saved? Peter told them just what? In verses 38 and 39, Repent and let every one of you be baptized to the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as our Lord God will call. And verse 41 tells what they did with that message. Those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. We don't even have 3,000 who are saved in a day in our Colosseum revivals these days. And this is way back when there were only millions of people on the earth. Uh, maybe uh, 10 or 20 million people. It, exponentially, it has grown over these 2,000 years. Friends, the purpose of Pentecost was to give the energy, the power, and the passion to spread the gospel to every people group on earth by whatever means possible and godly. <laughs> to do that, God reversed that centuries, that millennia-old curse of Babel, having each person here the disciples' message in his own 
language. And that is what Pentecost says to us. God has given us the gospel and his Holy Spirit to bring salvation to everyone, regardless of color, culture, language, whether they make a lot, whether they make a little or in the middle, uh, whether they have a particular kind of accent, anything else, friends, no matter what political party they are, no matter what denomination they come from. Friends, we're all one when we worship the Lord God, Jehovah in spirit and in truth through Jesus Christ. We know that we are in the last days, my friend. <laughs> the season immediately before Jesus returned, he told us the signs of his coming in Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13. All of these are being fulfilled today from the lawlessness in the streets and with the governments to the racial tensions, uh, to the wars and rumors of wars. We've got a possible two-ocean war that's evolving into a worldwide conflict with what's going on with China and with Russia. Oh yes, the rapture could be any second. Nothing needs to happen before, and as I recently preached, it's a moment coming any second. We need to tell our friends, family, neighbors, every creature about Jesus and how to be saved. We need to spread the gospel right here on the streets of Scotland, Nebraska. Friends, it's a conservative place, but that doesn't equate to necessarily being Christian. We have plenty of seats that are empty in all of our churches. It's time for us to get out on the streets, to knock on some doors, and to tell some people about the good word of God. We need to go in Nebraska all the way from the western border to the eastern border, from Missouri all the way out to Wyoming. We need to go all across the United States of America. How many folks are saved way up at the top of Maine? How many folks proportionally are saved way at the southern tip of California? Friends, we have got to go and be bearers of good news. Blessed are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. We also need to go to the world. Friends, there are republics in Russia where they'll kill you if you bring in the Bible. There are native tribes in deepest, darkest South America who will stone you to death. They don't know about the Jews. They just have stones. They don't have advanced kinds of technologies. Uh, there are ruthless Muslims out in Somalia who will kill you as soon as look at you because you're an infidel in their false book. But friends, we can go throughout the world. How? Because we shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon us. And we shall be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. I am right here in my Jerusalem. I'm here where I live in Scottsbluff County, USA. But I can be heard all across this world. Do you realize that our EternityNow.com website has been viewed by people in 140 nations all across the world. My goodness gracious, God has blessed. It doesn't all happen at once, but as we keep going in faith and confidence in Christ and His Spirit, that He is going to make us that witness, and that is from the word martyr, by the way, so be ready. God is going to get you home in good shape, though, bringing forth the good word of His own. The power consists of a desire to do what God wants. Openness to do what the Lord would desire rather than what we would desire. 
losing the fear of man and uniting with others across denomination and culture and color and land and sea. Also gaining boldness to share Christ with others and strength to keep running on to see how the end might be. So my friends would say, we are going to continue to the day of Christ Jesus, whether that is rapture or whether that is death. We will be present with the Lord immediately and for all time. And especially now, especially now here at the end, it's important to end well, my friend. We've got to be true disciples. We have got to get rid of this looking at each other and looking to each other, blaming one another, looking horizontally. You know, we just stay within the four walls when we do that. But when we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we have one gaze, we have one object, we have one Lord, and we have one testimony. And we go up and we go out. <laughs> Praise God. We also need to pray that God would use us in his ministry and fill us with the Holy Spirit. We'll do that in just a little bit. Six takeaways today. Number one, we need to focus on heaven, not earth, to do God's will in this hour. We need to focus on heaven, not earth, to do God's will in this hour. The disciples wondered, well, they were going to get to be big shots. Were they going to be able to be in charge of the ministry of this and so? Were they going to be able to be the Israeli ambassador to Rome? No, <laughs> no, no, no. That's all worldly and even then passing away. Pentecost shifted their vision to the Lord's kingdom. Number two, the Lord wants us to obey him, even if we think we should do something else. The Lord wants us to obey him, even if we think we should do something else. <laughs> he didn't have everyone go out and witness right away. They had to wait in that upper room for 10 days. Then he gave them the greatest blessing and power that the church has ever had. And it is still blessing today, almost 2,000 years, 70 generations later. Praise God. Number three, God wants us to be unified as a church local and a church universal. Not looking to each other, but Jesus as role model and guide, Lord and Savior. God wants us to be united as a church, not looking to each other, but Jesus as role model and guide, Savior, and Lord. Focusing on each other keeps us divided and keeps us hidden away. But focusing on him takes us up, takes us out, and gets our mind set right. Number four, the Lord confused language when mankind united against him. But at Pentecost, he tamed tongues and brought people together to give glory to Christ. Number four, the Lord confused language when mankind united against him. But at Pentecost, he tamed tongues and brought people together to give glory to Christ. We must be one in the Lord, for the devil comes to steal to kill and to destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life and have that more abundantly. As he says in John 10, 10, let's not talk badly about the Baptists. Let's not be talking poorly of the Pentecostals. And let's not be mocking the Methodists, friends. Let's not be crucifying the Catholics. Friend, I've met people in all of those who worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I've also met folks in all of those who don't. So the quality doesn't necessarily go in before the name goes on. 
But sometimes the quality is there and the right name isn't necessarily over the doorstep. <laughs> so we have got to realize this is an individual relationship with the Lord God Jehovah. And let's not cause division in the house of God. Let's try to bring forth a united front here in these last days for Jesus Christ. For he is not divided, as Paul himself said in 1 Corinthians 1. Number five, God can use any of us, even if we've been scared to witness or be among people we don't know. God can use any of us, even if we've been scared to witness or be among people that we don't know. The Holy Spirit gave to Peter boldness to speak to many, many thousands, seeing 3,000 converted and baptized in one day. He had been scared of a little servant girl and denied the Lord to avoid being turned in just a few weeks beforehand. Friend, he can do the same with you. Maybe you've never told anybody about your faith with any depth. Maybe you have never gone through the four points of salvation that I give every message. And you can also contact us, and I will make sure that you get plenty of these little cards to be able to testify to the Lord right here, how to be saved. We have had people saved with that little card. If you want 50 of them, you just text me, you just call me, you just write me, you just email me, and I'll get them to you. We also have Gospels of Mark. We have tracks. We'll get them into your hands, friend, at no cost to you. Trusting that God will provide. And number six, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we'll desire to do what God wants. Be open to how he does it. Unite with other believers. Lose the fear of man. Gain boldness to testify of Christ and have strength to continue to the end faithfully in Jesus. One more time, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we'll desire to do what God wants. Be open to how he wants to do it. Unite with other believers. Lose the fear of man. Gain boldness to testify of Christ and have strength to continue faithfully to the end in our Lord. As Paul asked in Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? No one shall prevail against the Lord God Jehovah, who has made all things and in whom all things consist. <laughs> but friend, we've got to start with ourselves. Are you saved today? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Are you following him? And maybe you prayed to receive him when you were just a little bub. You were out there in the Sunday school with the kids singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. But you haven't followed up on it. You haven't had a real relationship with Christ since. Friend, you can be rededicated to him, and God will turn on that Holy Ghost, that power source, as you plug into him today. What's necessary? Number one, just like back in Acts 2 and 38, repent of sin. Turn away from it and ask God to forgive you of all the sins you've committed. You've omitted doing some things. You've done some things you shouldn't have. Every last one of us, including me, has done that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as all Paul puts it in Romans. But friend, your whole account can be erased, for it was settled long ago, if only you'll embrace the big zero paid in full put there by the blood of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we confess faith in our Lord Jesus. He was the only man, Conceived by the Holy Spirit, and not coincidentally, 
He was the only man who never sinned. And so we need to realize his sacrifice is our rescue. Him dying, suffering, bleeding, dying for us. And being resurrected means that we will have our account settled, all of the sins erased for his sake as we follow him and work out that salvation with fear and trembling. We also believe that he rose in body and spirit the third day in the tomb. Oh, such a mighty miracle. But he said it would happen. The Bible promises it is so, and it is. And our our body and our spirit must be resurrected. So if he's still down there in the grave somewhere out there in Israel, well, friends, we are going to be in the heart of the earth in the devil ourselves. But praise God, he sprung forth. And that first one, the first fruits of all of salvation, Jesus Christ, rose on the third day from the tomb. Then we follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. Imperfectly, we're going to mess up sometimes, but you know what? We're going to get it right sometimes. Because the Holy Ghost does all things well. He says in Mark 7, 37. Friends, he wants to bring you higher in him. He doesn't necessarily want to make you a millionaire. He doesn't necessarily want to make you a U.S. senator. Praise God if those things happen. Do it to the glory of God. But friend, he wants you to be what he has envisioned for you in all time. He wants you to be faithful to Christ. He wants you to be loving and kind to other people. He wants you to speak the truth in love to people who are outside the will of God. He wants you to reflect Jesus Christ. For those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, Jesus Christ, says Romans 8, 29. He who believes upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. And what I'm going to do is leave you now in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Repeat it if you believe what I'm saying. And it will count to get you into God's track in heaven as you pursue a relationship with the living Christ. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Father God, I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. I confess faith in Jesus Christ. He died that I might live. I believe he rose in body and spirit the third day in the tomb. I will follow him as Lord and Savior, repenting should I fall. Come into my heart, Lord God, and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. And so it is. That's what I mean it means in Hebrew. So be it. Praise God. Oh, you're a new creation in Christ. If you've come back to him, God is sending the Holy Spirit in great measure to you right now. And we need to realize that we've got a few steps that we need to take in discipleship once we're saved. And if we haven't been doing it to start, number one, get baptized in water. Be immersed, showing that you have repented and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and your sins are washed away. Jesus himself did it as a role model to us. The one man who didn't have to be baptized did it so we would know how important it is. Secondly, we've got to read the Bible. That's how we discern the spirits. I'm writing an article right now for a national Christian website 
about the discerning of spirits. It's a gift in 1 Corinthians 12. One of the surefire ways that you can discern the spirit is to see whether it agrees with what has been written forever once in the 66 books of the Bible. You also have promises to claim. On some of those 7,500 promises, just go ahead and get them in prayer. Whatever ones God puts upon your heart, that's how we do it. How do we do that? Well, when we're in church with other people, we're going to be praying here in just a moment for local needs as well. We're also going to be praying for the Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can be those witnesses near and far. Uh, we need to assemble ourselves together and not forget to do so or be lax about it, as is the case with some. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, and all the more, the author says, as we see the judgment day approaching. Man, the judgment day is about on us and folks are stopping services left and right. Folks are staying home left and right. It's exactly the opposite of what we need to do. That's why we added the Revelation Bible study. Friends, we've got to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth all through the week, every hour of every day, not just an hour on Saturday and Sunday or even on Wednesday. We've got to do this upright. Also, we need to fellowship with one another. How do you unify with somebody you have no idea about, that you don't know what are? You going to trust them with your secrets? Or are you going to open up to them? No. We have got to get together and know each other. The church needs to be a unified body, not a bunch of lone rangers who just happen to be at the same point in time once a week. We've got to get together because the persecution is just beginning here. It's in full throttle in places like China and North Korea. But friends, it's coming here and we have got to get with each other so that we can stand for Christ. And finally, we need to have pursuit of personal relationship with God. He is the only one who has been from everlasting to everlasting. There was never a moment without him. There was never a time when he did not exist. Friend, we need to get to know him like he knows us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He's been there every time we've gotten hurt, every time we've had a triumph, every time we've denied his name, and every time that we've embraced him. And so we need to say, God, show me about yourself. What do you want me to know today? I say that. Uh, often in prayer, every morning when I have a particularly long time with God, and he never fails to say, I love you. And I say, I love you too. And you know what? It's genuine both ways. Life hasn't been easy since I got saved. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's been more difficult. But you know what? I've been able to triumph over, overcome that evil because Jesus is in me and Jesus never loses. Jesus never is overcome. Jesus never fails. Praise God. One last thing. Let's go ahead and pray that the Lord would fill us with the Holy Spirit. Pray right along at home too. Father God, we thank you so much for this time today. We thank you, Lord God, for the Holy Spirit whom you have sent to every believer. Father God, fill us now with the precious Holy Spirit of God. Bring forth your gifts as you have purposed in our lives. This one to that one. This gift to that one. All the ones that will fit together so that we are complete and lacking nothing here in the body of Christ local and the body of Christ universal. Father God, let us have a mind to serve you. Lord God, let us have a body that follows that service in the Holy Spirit, our way having been ordered of the Lord in our steps. Lord God, help us to have a boldness and a mouth to testify of you and help us to have the holiness to be able to be a good example of what we're telling other people to do.
Uh, Lord God, show yourself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to you, as you said in Second Chronicles 16.9. Lord God, we're believing that you're going to put people in our path that we can share the way of salvation with. That, Lord God, people will be saved and will be filled with the Spirit, and will be set apart to you. And Father God, that we will be filled with the Spirit all the more, will be set apart all the more to you, and we will be witnesses to you in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Thank you for sending the Holy Ghost. Thank you even more for sending Jesus Christ. And thank you, Father, for making this whole universe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this broadcast. For more, including links to all our programs and social media, go to eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. We have over a hundred videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's eternitynow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. I'm gonna shout, hallelujah, shout.